This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisby in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisby, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 19 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Hunter, did anything happen in the last week since we talked? I don't know. I've been out of the loop. What's been going on? I mean, Grant, we had <laughs> the craziest trade deadline of all time. And I know it's like a week later and things are starting to settle in. What a fireworks show we had for a trade deadline. We were excited about it, but did you expect it to go this bananas? No, I didn't. It, I guess there's a lot of reasons. I don't know if it's like pent up energy from the mutant 2020 season where, you know, there wasn't really a deadline. Uh, there was, but it was, it was kind of a half-hearted one because of the shortened season. I don't know what was behind it. Maybe the the CBA expiring and teams are like, well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Let's go in now. But yeah, it was goofy. It was goofy with the players who were traded, all the all-stars who were traded. It was goofy with the names going back to the rebuilding teams. Like, whoa, I didn't think that that player was going to get traded all around. It was a one-two punch constantly throughout the day. Yeah, it was pretty crazy just the pings you're getting if you like, you know, have like the MLB app or whatever on your phone and it's just like ping, 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 ping. And you're just like, oh my God. And you, you got to where you're almost numb. You're like, oh yeah, Jose Barrios to the Blue, you know, to the Blue Jays. Okay. And, you know, of course he went Duffy to the Dodgers. And then the one that really shocked me because, and maybe I shouldn't have been as shocked. Was Yeah, Scherzer we knew was going to the Padres, the Giants, or the Dodgers. But Scherzer and Turner in one (laughs) package deal. Have you ever seen two players that good traded in one deal? That's got to be at the top. I mean, baseball has got a long history, so there's going to be someone who says, oh, you forgot about Mortimer Jenkins for the 13 White Sox or something. But, like, it has few peers in the modern, like, trade era because it's Trey Turner who is good he's good at everything he's a young he's an under 30 superstar who fields he runs he hits for power hits for average like he does everything and then it's max scherzer who's who's a hall of famer pitching as well as he's almost ever pitched and in the same deal to the team that you could argue needed them the least like the team that on paper were stacked with the most talent the most returning talent when it came to the the injury list like the Dodgers didn't like need them to be a super team, but now they're, I guess, a super duper team, right? I mean, I guess it's it's something we've never seen before. And I want to say that I read somewhere I was talking about like 10 Cy Youngs and MVPs on their roster. Can you, can you count all of those? <laughs> Are they counting like multiples or is this 10 separate Cy Young and MVPs within their team? I can go with like, you know, Mookie Betts, Kershaw, Scherzer. Can you rattle off the, the rest of the MVPs and, uh, and Cy Young winners? 
I think it's combined. And so when you start talking Kershaw, you've got a lot of awards and, you know, you've got Betts and you've got Scherzer's got a lot of awards, but you've got Bellinger. There are, you know, David Price, I believe, has a Cy Young at one point, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's just it's it's a lot of talent. It's just a lot of talent. And it is it's only going to get better once they start getting players back when they get Corey Seager back, if they get Cody Bellinger unstuck from wherever he is at the moment. I mean, they just have so much talent, dormant talent, returning talent, entering talent. It's all there for the Dodgers right now. If we're going to start with like winners and losers of the trade deadline, are the Dodgers like number one, like let's just move on to the next. Because to me, it's like if you got Scherzer, you're already at the top, top tier. Uh, like I was kind of like whoever gets Scherzer is going for the World Series because to me the way you win a World Series is your number one and your number two has to be like dogs and like Scherzer is a guy who's like bring your best one and like your best lineup and let's go and I'm I'm ready to win and he's done it he's proven it you know same with Walker Bueller so they got like the two horses that you need and then you just need a little bit like you need a back end bullpen and a solid position player but the, the team that's that's hitting the best is not the team that's going to win the world series the team that has a scherzer and you know a number one and a number two horse and i think that when you're the dodgers it's a tricky deadline because a uh it's world series or bust but b you don't know if you're going to even be in the nlds you have to assume that there's a chance at least that you're not going to catch the giants that you're going to go to the wild card game and then it's going to be you know, one and done, maybe. Are you going to pitch Scherzer in that game? Are you going to need him for a game 162? Is it going to be Walker Bueller? Are you going to need Walker Bueller and Scherzer? Is it going to line up that way where you need them for 161 and 162? Like, it's a tricky deadline. But if you're the Dodgers and it's World Series or bust, you can't start thinking about, oh, gosh, you know, Reese and Gray are a part of our future. Like the Dodgers are, they can't worry about the future. They can't hug prospects. And they have hugged prospects in past seasons. You know, they, they've kind of not made those big trades uh, in years past. They've left a little bit on the table. This year, I, I think it's it's the right time. It's, no, 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 we're going all in. They definitely decided they're they're all in. They traded their number one and number two prospect, and it was really cool. I got to watch Josiah Gray's MLB debut. He gave up a couple homers. He didn't have like this great, amazing debut, but he did strike out a bunch of people, and you definitely saw the stuff. And you know, like when someone comes up and they're striking a bunch of, of big league hitters out, they have stuff. So, uh, and he was arguably their number two prospect. I believe it was the catcher. Uh, let me see. Is it Ruiz? Yeah, Gilbert Ruiz. They definitely gave up a lot. Their World Series are bust. And like you said, they're in second place in the NL West. And the and the Giants, when you just look at the numbers, like they had kind of everything and they made they made some, you know, a decent, pretty blockbusterish move themselves. Yeah, I mean, Kbert Rees, he was up a little bit uh in the for this season, didn't do much, just got 7 at bats, but he's 22, you know, he's he's a catcher, he's going to be a switch hitting catcher, which is kind of a unicorn. He was hitting uh really well for the Dodgers in Triple A. He was uh walking almost as much as he was striking out. He was a really good prospect in so many ways, but if you're the Dodgers and you're thinking, well, we can get creative with Will Smith, you know, he can move around a little bit of the diamond, and if you're going to have a log jam at a position, it's kind of nice to have a log jam at catcher if you've got two really good catchers really good young catchers you can do time sharing where it keeps them both fresh at the same time when you have will smith you can say all right this is our shot maybe this is how we we use this one chip at this time and once you get turner back in that deal and he's under contract for next year i think that's a pretty good shot for the dodgers to take 
And only time will tell if it if it pays off, but you can definitely say that the Dodgers front office has done everything to give that their team a chance to win. You still have to catch lightning in a bottle, and it's still, uh, no matter how talented or how many Cy Youngs and MVPs, the playoffs and, and baseball can get really weird. I feel like I have to say the Dodgers won the trade deadline for now. You know, as far as like number, but I want to I want to talk more about like the other winners and losers and like who you think did enough, didn't do enough. And I have some sneaky, I like to get into the sneaky, like who sneaky like won the deadline besides obviously Scherzer and Trey Turner. I think you have to just say the Dodgers did the most at this point, but who else did great and, and did stuff that you really like? Because I believe last week you talked about the Giants getting Chris Bryant and it was really cool. The Cubs, all the Cubs, I don't know how you're feeling if you're a Cubs fan right now, but all of their guys hit a home in their debut which is pretty cool Rizzo Baez and Bryant all hit a homer but I felt like the Giants maybe wanted really wanted a Scherzer like a really big horse one number one because right now if I'm saying who's the ace on the Giants with kind of the last if you've been following their stretch it might be Logan Webb Right. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Gosman's been in a little bit of a funk. Uh, he hasn't had to, that feel of the splitter, the, the change, the command of it. It seems like hitters are laying off a little bit. If it's if it just a little bit too far below in the zone or too far below the zone, hitters are laying off a little bit more. Maybe that's a blip. Maybe that's not. I agree that one more starting pitcher would have gone a long way. And uh, Farhan Zaidi said that there was a lot of emotion when the trade went through to the Dodgers because they were in on Scherzer too. But once Turner got involved, you know, the Giants just couldn't compete because they weren't, I think a comparable offer would have been something like Joey Bart and Logan Webb. I mean, it would have been something that would have hurt and it would have kind of messed with the, the chemistry of what they had going on. I don't know if I don't make that trade, but it would have been a tough lift. And so, okay, so Scherzer goes. Barrios took, I mean, the Blue Jays gave up two pretty good prospects for Barrios. Uh, that was that was a haul. So once you're seeing these prices, and the Twins were asking a lot for Kenta Maeda because he has, he's under contract, you know, and the Rockies, they were being a little weird and they were trading John Gray like we were talking about. I don't know if I would have paid the price if I were the Giants, because you still have five good starters. You still have Webb, Cueto, Desclafani, Wood, and Gossman. So you're like, okay, kind of comfortable there. You wish you had something more, but to pay the price that other teams were paying, I don't know if the Giants should have done that. If you ask me if, if, if it was going to cost them Logan Webb, I'm going to say I don't think that the Giants should have made that trade. If that's what it was going to cost them. That's just me guessing, but yeah. Yeah, because, you know, Logan Webb is, this is not his first year in the big leagues, and he's just now kind of hitting his prime and has, you know, he's young. He is extremely young for how good his stuff is and, and how much time he's been in the big leagues, and he's kind of, he's a student of the game. So, to me, Logan Webb is like, you can't trade him. It's got to be prospects, and the Dodgers did give up Josiah Gray and, and Ruiz, so they have their push. But I want to get into a little bit of, talk to me about Chris Bryant. Do you like their moves? I, I actually really like the Tony Watson addition, especially because he had kind of a tough start and he's worked his way into decency. So to me, a lot of the times you look at like numbers of someone that someone acquired and it's more of like, who's hot now? You can buy, let, let's say even like the, the Phillies. I think they did a good job. They needed pitching. They went and got pitching. You get a Kyle Gibson who had this amazing first half, but his last two, three starts have been pretty rocky. It's pretty scary. But also it's definitely a jolt when you come to a new team. So time will tell. But they got Tony Watson, who's been kind of catching his groove. He fits into that clubhouse. He's a leader. They love him. And, you know, he's just a guy you can count on. So I actually really like the Tony Watson move for the Giants. But I want to hear your thoughts on Bryant and Watson and, and how you feel the Giants made out. 
Absolutely. When the Watson news broke, it was kind of like the dust was settling on the wacky deadline. And I, I looked at it and I stared at it. I was like, huh. Because the Giants had three lefties already. And all three lefties that they had in their pen were doing okay. I was not expecting Watson. I kind of forgot about it. I wrote up my thoughts on Chris Bryant. And then I went in to look at it. And there was a lot to like where Watson was not just getting lefties out. He was getting lefties and righties out. The high ERA um, was due to two blow-up innings. And both of those games were uh, inherited runners that he left. He left with the bases loaded in one and left with two runners on in another. They all scored. So, you know, you're looking at all these things. Two blow-up starts. You remove those two blow-up starts as ERAs under one. I mean, he's doing amazing. And then you start thinking, well, he's a guy who comes in and doesn't... The Giants don't have to, like, teach him their language, if you know what I mean. Like, they don't have to say, here's how we want you to attack hitters. Here's here's our, you know, methodology. Here's, you know, the Giants way. Like, he knows. He can just slide right in. And there is a value to that. There, I think there is just a value of a guy, like, picking up the playbook and going, I know this playbook. And I don't know. I think that's one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah, he fits in. But Tony Watson is a pro's pro. He's one of the best teammates I've ever had. Like, And I've had a lot of phenomenal teammates, but he is just a great vibe in the clubhouse. He's one of the just most stand-up humans. And just like, I know that they're all excited to have him back in that clubhouse. So I think that was a really good trade. Another team I want to bring up, Grant, that I think did phenomenal. And I love this. And I don't know if this is La Russa. I don't know who's making, if it's the GM of the White Sox. But I love that they just went, they have a, one of the best closers in the game. I love this guy, Liam Hendricks. Just a mental beast, prepared, electric, and like plays with insane passion. They add a Craig Kimbrell, who's one of the best closers on the market. So I scream this and preach this and preach this and preach this. Relief pitching, relief pitching, relief pitching. La Russa must get it, or the White Sox must get it, because they went and bolstered their bullpen. Talk to me about the White Sox moves and adding Kimbrell. I mean, we've talked about it before, where you're talking about the 2014-2015 Royals, that feeling of, oh boy, you know, like there's like that pressure, that added pressure. You're in a game, and you're looking, and it's the fourth inning. It's the fifth inning and you start like grinding a little bit harder because, you know, if it's a one nothing game, you can't get to the seventh, eighth inning with a one nothing game now because you've got Kimbrell and Hendricks staring down at you. And the White Sox were were in a unique place to where they're the rest of their roster was really, really deep. Uh, they could, you know, make trades uh, to shore up. I don't know where they would even want to do it. You know, the, the lineup, they got Cesar Hernandez. They got, uh, you know, they made a couple other moves to shore that team up. But if you looked, it was just, hey, how can we make this really good team? team into something of a super team for the postseason and getting Kimbrel uh was that I will say when I saw Nick Madrigal's name go the other way I, my my eyes went poof because he's one of my favorite players and I don't know what his ceiling is maybe it's just like that you know Joe Panic's all-star season when he was hitting three something and had a lot of contact and played solid you know like is that his ceiling I don't know, but when you've got a guy with a freaky good skill, and Madrigal's freaky good skill is bat to ball. He doesn't strike out. It's contact. It's average. It's just different than what you're going to find in most of baseball. And once you have something that's different, whether it's a 104 mile per hour fastball or those bat to ball skills or light tower power, like you kind of want to, it's hard to give those guys up because there's something so different. Maybe you can build on that and get really, really different in a good way. I like this trade and, and I'm, I'm learning that a lot of the times you I'm starting to extraordinarily respect like how much work you've done and what you know about baseball. But for me, like 
and I need to study and look at like Madrigal a little bit more, but I like this move. I wasn't sure about when they drafted Madrigal, and I love bat the ball skill. It's great. It's great, but like what impacts a game when you're playing? And you need someone that can slug extra bases. You need doubles and homers, or you need to be if Madrigal's stealing a lot of bases and you're getting on base. So like getting on base is great. But like you gotta be have the speed to like steal bases and whatnot to like cause havoc. So if you're not hitting for slug and you're not stealing bases, it's not really that big of an impact as as far as I'm concerned. Like you can find anyone to kind of fill in there. But at the same time, you're kind of the stats guy. Like what is it? So you just like that it's the bat to ball skill, or is there something in his numbers that like makes you think this is gonna be a huge impact? It's the hyper low strikeout rate that makes me like if you look at that and you can project a we can get a little bit more gap power out of this. We can build this into something that's going to have a little bit of that slug. We can teach him to be disruptive in this way. But maybe what I'm saying is that maybe the White Sox looked at this and said, we just don't know if we're going to extract that from him. When you have a player with an ultra rare skill, like that's the kind of clay you want to start fiddling with and molding, you know. But if you're thinking, well, this is all, all we can make is an ashtray. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not sure if we're getting the statue. And you're the White Sox and you have this opportunity. Maybe that's the internal evaluation it's such a fascinating trade because you can't just say, oh, Madrigal's like he's a future Hall of Famer. He's this and that. He might just be like a nice guy to have for a couple of years that that I don't know. But it's just a fascinating player to trade. Yeah, I think it's a great player to trade and to get a closer for me that I think they crushed this trade. I think they did a great job. And like I said, I, I could eat crow, you know, and I don't want to like insult Nick Madrigal or, or anything. And I'm sure he's a great player, but like, I don't think he's impacting the game like Craig Kimbrell's impacting the game. You're not like, oh no, Nick Madrigal's up. You're definitely like, oh damn, like let's buckle up. Kimbrell's on the mound and the game is coming to a close. And like you said, if you can shorten the game to a seven-inning game, an eight-inning game, it is a breath of fresh air for your team, and it's a pressure cooker for the other team. I love this trade. I think they picked up one other bullpen guy as well. Ryan Tapera, and I'm going to mess his name up because I've never said it out loud. Yes, yeah, sneaky solid season as well. To me, they went for like, this is how you win championships. I'm going to say it over and over. Number one and a number two that can like take on anybody in the world and bullpen. You need four dogs. Ryan Tapera finished 18th in the NL MVP voting last year. I don't quite know how, but uh, that is a factoid. But you know what? If, if you're trying, if you're saying, okay, my team is playing the White Sox in the ALDS or the ALCS next week. Who am I thinking about? Who's in my head? It's not Nick Madrigal. It, it's it's Craig Kimbrell. You know what I mean? It's like I'm thinking about Kimbrell and Hendricks. I'm thinking about the power. I'm thinking about Lance Lynn. You know, I'm thinking about those guys. And in the postseason, I think everything since that that Royals run, uh, every team that's kind of done their thing has done it with a bullpen, a shutdown bullpen. And they've done it in creative ways where you had like the Dodgers with uh, Julio Arias last year. I mean, it doesn't always have to be like Craig Kimbrell, like a name brand, maybe a future Hall of Fame closer. But you want to shorten the game. You want to get those guys in place where, you you know, you worry the other teams a little bit. I will argue, like, I don't think the Dodgers win the World Series without the run that Urias was on. Urias was a killer. He was legit ending everyone's season. He was doing it, like, five innings at a time. And, you know, <laughs> they just brought this. And, like, he was just in that flow, in that zone. And, like, to me, he was one of the, the like, kind of like the Yusmaro Petit that, like, 
got it and just uh, kept doing it for us in, in 2014. Sneaky, one of the historically best bullpen runs of all time, not just Petite, but our whole bullpen in 2014. 100%, they were the backbone and the reason we were able to win that World Series. Obviously, Bumgarner coming out of the pen was pretty special too. But with that being said, Urias's uh, playoff run last year was insane to watch. It was fun to watch his face and his intensity and his passion and his body language because that's the stuff I study is the body language of champions and the focus and when you see someone like locked in and, and yes as like a Giants player and a rival to the Dodgers like obviously you know I'm always rooting for you know me personally you know it's tough with the Dodgers Giants rivalry but you got to give credit where credit is due and they did some special stuff and he was fun to watch in that playoff run. I am not supposed to to root actively, uh, and when it came I'm to the Dodgers, I'm not supposed to either, pro- probably. But I'm, I can't. Leo, you know, the Giants are who I. I mean, I played with them last year, so like yeah, they're my they're my squad. If the Dodgers won last year, in my in my broken brain now, I'm thinking, okay, well, at least I can write about it. It's going to be like good content, so to speak. That's just how my brain is broken. At the same time, I have a very, very good friend, a writer friend who now works for the Rays. And so I was rooting for him. And so I guess that's how I justified it in my trying to be objective brain. Like I was just, I was like, come on, man, win one for Sullivan. And it didn't work out. But at the same time, I, I did respect Urias. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty dang good performance. You got to have that closer. They're, like I remember talking to Romo about this in 2012. I was like, the closer has to end someone's season, and a team is going to fight. It's like literally putting someone in a corner and still being able to destroy them. You know, when you put someone back to a corner, you don't allow them an escape route. They fight furiously. You don't ever want to do that. And that's what the closer has to be able to do. They have to back you into a corner and still take you down the most furious of the furies. The closer has to be the ultimate ender, ending a whole organization's season to win a World Series. And that, to me, is what Urias did. That, to me, is what any of the closers, Daniel Hudson, who I think the Padres sneaky, great pickup, because he's a guy that can just end you. Like you have to be that freaking good, that freaking confident. Absolute mastery is the closer. It is a big, big deal. Now, I do love the Padres. I'm not going to call them the biggest winner, even though I think they killed it. They got Frazier. They got Hudson. Love that. But I think the steal of the century, and that's probably way too big of a comment for it, but the steal of this trade deadline is Kendall Graveman. Ooh, okay, okay. We talked about him the, the first. I still just think it's it's he's having such a good year. So, you know, af- after we talked, the Mariners kind of like fiddled around. They got Diego Castillo from the Rays. They got uh, Tyler Anderson. Like, so they weren't selling. They were trying to play a shell game where they could trade the pending free agent Graveman, get years of control with Diego Castillo, get the young third baseman that they wanted from the Astros. The timing sucked. The timing was brutal after that law or after that win against that same Astros team. But I thought like, okay, creatively, I get it. But even even with them getting Diego Castillo and kind of still being in, you're still saying Graveman is the guy. Like maybe that was a good trade for the Mariners because maybe this isn't this their year. And that is kind of smart. Like from the Mariners' perspective, because there's a lot of teams that they're going to be battling against to get that wild card spot. Mind you, the A's who did a really good job. I think they did they, they did outstanding. It was you know tough to give up Lazardo, but they really needed a bat. They're winning the wild card and kind of chasing the Astros. It's a little bit distance there. But if you're in the Mariners' shoes, I can see that being a win. In a way, not not for the clubhouse and what was going on. I think they were doing something special. But the Astros, we're talking about winning the World Series this year, right? So obviously the Dodgers, 
they went to win the World Series this year. You're the Astros. They, they have like the best OPS in baseball, the best OPS plus in baseball right now. They are banging. They were needing bullpen. And they went and got one of the best like statistical numbers I've seen out of a bullpen arm. You can't get much better than a .87. And they went and got another closer as well on top of it. But the Kendall Graveman to me, a .87, he's doing something special. And it's in a year that they're going for it. Yeah, I mean, listen, we can talk about it. I know that this is one of like Hunter's keys to the game over and over. It's the bullpen. And once you get to the postseason, it's the bullpen. It's the bullpen. You got to watch the core four, you know, shorten the games. And it wasn't always the flashiest. You know, it wasn't always Brian Wilson with the big beard. It was, you know, Santiago Garcia being pretty good and Javier Lopez, you know, being nails against lefties. But the bullpen is such a huge part. And once you have it's it's the spinning rims on a beautiful car. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the thing, the last thing you put on a team. Once you've got everything else, you've shored up that rotation. You've got a lineup to fear. Then you just say, well, what can we do? We're going to make the bullpen as dominant as can be. It's the offensive lineman of football. And you know, <laughs> like, of the, like the good football teams, they do a lot of work and the running back gets all like most of the credit, but they're the ones putting like pulling the weight. And at the end of the day, it literally, it, it, it's not flashy. Like a lot of the times they're like, how did the Giants win the World Series? We just, we played defense and we had a bullpen. And like you said, it's like, you don't really realize that the line is like moving that much weight or doing that much stuff because it's just kind of like, it just keeps happening. You just keep winning because you get a one run lead, you cut the game, game short. Or if you're in a tight game and you have a chance to come back, they hold the line and you come back and win. So then you get all of these comeback wins. And I actually will argue that run differential can be misleading and the fact that like the Mariners had a like a negative run differential but they had Kendall Graveman and that's where where it's misleading is because once you get a lead you can hold it with your special guys and when a game's out of hand you just like you don't bring in those guys right so so run differential is kind of a, a little bit whack because it can show a team with a good bullpen can win a lot of games and have a bad run differential because the bullpen is what wins the game it ends the game We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, let's talk about another one of my winners. All right, if I'm a pitcher and I want to start a brawl, I'm not going to be doing it against the Yankees uh, because they have <laughs> some beefy boys right now. I mean, you already had Stanton and Judge, you know, Luke Voigt. Uh, you had some big dudes and then they went out and they get Gallo and Rizzo. There is some thump. And now it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit different thump where you've got, you can do lefty righty, lefty righty. You can break that up. That's going to help them in the late innings, you know, with, with the three batter minimum for relievers. You got, you're going to have either a lefty facing Judge and Stanton, or you're going to have a righty facing Rizzo and Gallo. And that's freaky. I am very excited for that. And I'm, I'm very excited to see Gallo start to like take off with the Yankees. He's, knowing Gallo and knowing who he is, he puts a lot of pressure on himself, but he's so talented. So once he gets relaxed over there in New York and, and you know, he hits his first home run and can breathe, I think that's going to be at a very exciting end of the season, especially in the East Division and the American League wildcard chase. I mean, honestly, that's one of the most exciting parts of this second half is going to be this American League wildcard race. And that, once again, is why maybe the Mariners really, ha you know, it, it was such a win-win that that trade that we've harped on so much is because there's so many teams gunning and buying like the Yankees and the Blue Jays, by the way, and the Athletics, like all three of these teams, plus the Red Sox, by the way, who just lost the division lead. Only two of those teams can make it. Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, A's, Mariners. Like these are the teams that are kind of in that race. Like, so do you think the Yankees did more than the Blue Jays? And do you think that their roster is now set to get the wild card or even push the division down back six games? Boy, I would not put 
a dollar if you gave me like odds to win twenty dollars. You know what I mean? Like twenty one odds. I'm not going to predict this this wild card race because it is too confusing. Where you have the Blue Jays, I think on paper, if I'm going to take one of these rosters after the the deadline, I still think I'm going to go with the the Blue Jays because now you've got Barrios in there, you've got Robbie Ray who's having that that season, you've got Ryu who's having a great season. You have all the thump. You have uh, Vladimir Guerrero playing at uh, an MVP level. Uh, you have Simeon doing well right now. Like you've got. Springer coming back and Springer all of a sudden, like I just looked up and Springer has 12 home runs. I forgot he was even back, you know? So like now is, is, is when the Blue Jays are making that move. I think they gave up a lot. But at the same time, they got a guy who's under team control for next year. So that makes a little bit of sense for them because they're not going away. So I like the Blue Jays right now a little bit more than the Yankees. At the same time, I don't want to face the Yankees. Like if, if Gallo gets going with them, that's just that's just such a punishing lineup. As punishing as, as you can come up with in baseball. You didn't even mention, by the way, Bo Bichette for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, like, let's just compare these two. Let's just say who has the better offensive lineup between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Uh, that's a good point. We've got Guerrero. I've got Simeon doing well. He's cooled off a little bit. You've got Bichette. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, a, a cavalcade of outfielders doing doing well. Um, you know, I've got Springer who's doing magnificent things. It's going to be close to a toss-up for me, but it all depends on if Gallo gets going. Like you said, he puts a lot of pressure on himself. And if I'm remembering correctly, New York might put pressure on their players. The fans might be a, a touch tough on the players who aren't doing uh, what they could be doing. So, you know, that's a factor. But you also have things like DJ LeMay, who is he's doing okay, but he's not doing great. Uh, you have Aaron Hicks. He's, he's on the 60-day IL. You've got, you know, Judge is doing great things. Stanton's doing good things, not great things. Glaber Torres isn't hitting that much. I mean, they've been scuffling a little bit more this year than I think I was giving them credit for. Yeah, and like Teoscar Hernandez is like OPS. Like we also didn't mention him. This is an all-star. He's got an 850 OPS. He's, you know, he's got 17 homers right now. Randall Grichuk, 19 homers. I mean, if you're comparing lineups, yeah, they're bigger. The Yankees are bigger, but right now the the Blue Jays like offensive numbers are are just are just better. And if you're talking about Garrett Cole on the injured list, Jordan Montgomery on the injury list, uh, Corey Kluber on the 60-day IL, the Yankees are in a little bit of a pickle right now. I get why they traded for Rizzo. I get why they traded for Gallo. I like those moves, but they're not as bulletproof. It's not like the Dodgers adding Scherzer and Turner. It was not panic moves, but like they needed to do something and they could have added, you know, maybe uh, more pitching I like the moves, but I also am not going to just say, okay, it's the Yankees to lose now. But with all this being said, like when you, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting befuddled right now. The Yankees have a, they're, they're one game ahead of the Blue Jays right now. Why is that? Do they have the pitching? Do, like, cause obviously offensively, I want to know who scored more runs. Cause like, it's super strange to me or runs per game, I guess would be more important. Cause sometimes that can be misleading, but like they're pitching pretty good. To this point, I think like a big difference has been run prevention and it's going to be, you know, the, the Blue Jays have had some some real strong starter uh, starting pitchers. Their bullpen has definitely been shaky. I mean, they've, they've been mixing a match and trying to figure out the best fit. Whereas all year, the Yankees, they've had those, you know, kind of uh, foundational starters doing doing well. Uh, and then underneath them, you had just guys just mowing through uh, the late innings with with Chapman, you know, and, and they had, you know, Chad Green was was doing well. It's it's not a dominant, a super dominant bullpen. 
Hamilton. I mean, you have uh, Lois Siga doing really well. Like, it's it's not just a super dominant bullpen, but I think they had the late innings locked down a little bit more than the That's Blue Jays. That's so fascinating that you mentioned. <laughs> we look at all the offense, and the Blue Jays are blowing out, kind of blowing out the Yankees in offensive numbers. And here I look at the bullpen, and I see I'm probably going to mess up this name. It's hard to say. Lois Siga. He's got a 2.63. Oh, Lucas Lucky. He's got a 2.88. These are people you don't even know, and this is why the Yankees have a better record with the offense of the Blue Jays clearly outmatching them. Luis Sessa has a 2.82. You know, and then you're looking at Nestor Cortez Jr. I know it's just 32 innings, 1.93. So, I mean, it's like, rest your case, Hunter. Enough is enough, but the, <laughs> and this is where I, I don't understand. I guess I do understand because it's once again, it's like it's not the thing you see on like the, the Lamborghini or the great car, you know, the rims or the paint job, but it's like, or it's like what it's like the actual engine. And um, so they're pitching and their starting pitching is all looking pretty good, even without Garrett Cole. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are just giving them a chance to win. So I do think that the Yankees offense is actually going to do better. It's underperforming. And I think that they're going to, they're going to get going. Like judge is going to get hot Stanton. He's at an 800 OPS and I think he's going to get better as well. You know, a lot of these guys, and I do think that uh, Gallo, once he gets comfortable, I think he's, he's, he's going to, he's going to do his thing. It's going to be pretty special to watch. So I'm looking forward to it. I do think like just looking at the pitching, the Yankees are, are, are primed to do something. Yeah, if I'm going to take their numbers right now and you're going to ask me to to bet on the over-under, are they going to get better or worse? Like, I just look at those names and I think, okay, they're going to get a couple of these guys scorching hot, whether it's LeMahieu or Rizzo or, or Gallo. At some point, the Yankees, they maybe not, maybe they won't hit like the Yankees that we were expecting. Maybe they're not going to have like a league-leading offense. Maybe that ship has sailed a little bit, but I think that they'll be closer to that than just the scuffling double play machine that they've been. I mean, They've just been uh, really disappointing this year in a lot of ways, and the, the players they have are too good for that. Are you saying now the Yankees will end the season better than the Blue Jays? <laughs> I know I, I can go back and forth all day. We got to make a stand. I'm saying I think the Yankees will. I do think the Yankees will get there. I think they're going to get in the playoffs. I oh boy yeah I, I you know it, we've been dismissing Boston not dismissing but it seems like we always give up on the Red Sox or don't talk about the Red Sox the Red Sox have an offense uh, that is enviable they have a lot of players in there they are preventing runs I think that they have maybe if you're talking about uh, the Yankees the Blue Jays the Red Sox if you're comparing all three of those teams maybe the Red Sox have the best bullpen you know if if you're believing and Garrett Whitlock, if you're uh, believing in, in Sawamura, if, uh, you know, when Matt Barnes comes back, I think that they have a lot going on in that bullpen. So maybe that's how you pick, but I can't trust the rotation. I'll hedge my bets and I'll, I'll make a lot of people mad and I'll say Yankees and Blue Jays. That's the wild card matchup. You know, apologies to Mariners fans. I think that the Mariners are doing fun things and I, I'm pulling for them just because I want them to make the postseason for the first time since 2001. But I, I think Yankees Blue Jays makes a lot of sense to me right now. Whoa, you just skipped over the two in the lead. You didn't, We didn't even mention the A's. Boston and the A's, by the way. I mean, the Blue Jays are definitely in that, but... 
To me, I think the Yankees are going to sneak in. I'm just saying the Yankees over the Blue Jays. The Red Sox and the A's, I definitely think one of them, and I'm, I'm taking the, the Athletics. I think the Athletics are going to get in as well. But Boston's going to have to really fumble because they're five games up on the Yankees. That's a big march they have. And like you said, they do have a bullpen. So I might eat crow just because we were talking about the Yankees and making that statement. I definitely find that I think you know more than I do, even though I think I know them stuff. The only thing I do know is that the bullpen matters. But I'm going to take the Yankees and the A's. That, that's going to be my pick for now to get into that wild card slot. Well, you think I know stuff, and I'd like to think I know stuff. And I'd like to think I'm good at my job as a professional uh, baseball analyst and writer, but I'm also not too proud to admit that I've been an idiot, and I simply looked at the standings. I forgot about the A's. I just forgot about their position relative to the rest of the teams, and I like the A's a lot. I, just... I don't think the Blue Jays are coming back to catch the A's and the Red Sox. And like honestly, I... I... I really think it's going to be Red Sox, A's, and Yankees. It's one. It's two of those three. I'm going to put the A's in there. I apologize to the A's fans who maybe flipped off the the podcast when I when I made my prediction because I just was being a bonehead and forgot about where the A's. Their you apologize was. to the Mariners, Grant. <laughs> no, I don't think I'll, I'll be needing to do that. No, but seriously, like the A's, I love their trades. I love that they got Jan Gomes. Uh, you know, that fills a, a very like necessary depth need for them. I like that they got Starling Marte. I love his fit for that roster, even though that was a high price for the uh, for a rental. Like the A's did a lot of good stuff. They're already sort of in that position where you should consider them favorites just by virtue of the standings. And they don't have to give these wins back. They're already doing good things there. So uh, I like the A's in what they've done I do think that they'll be in there and so now you're you're back to that original question of Yankees Blue Jays Red Sox I think I'm gonna go with Yankees I think I'm gonna go with the Yankees just because I believe in their offense they have the bullpen they will get Garrett Cole back I think they just have the pieces and once it starts clicking and humming I think they they're the most complete where the the Red Sox I'm worried about the rotation the Blue Jays I'm worried about their bullpen the Yankees I'm worried about their offense of all three of those I trust the Yankees to to fix their offense a little bit more all right so we're kind of on the same page there it took a while to convince you but uh, I definitely <laughs> think the I believe in the A's and their and just their program those guys they, they grind and they got pitching and they know what they're doing and they just they're also in kind of um, you know a division where it's not quite as lethal every day but maybe it is uh, it, it's tough to say because the Mariners are are legit this year but that NL East it's a it's a dogfight between all of those teams so it's gonna be a little bit tougher I want to jump to the the NL East which is the next most fascinating thing to me the nl east who's winning that division oh man i mean you gotta think you go with who's in first place at the time of this recording and it's the mets and the mets have a lot going for them i i, I really like the javier baez trade i think he brings energy uh he brings just baseball skills uh to that to that roster i think that is going to just be a, a fascinating addition to that um you know once you get uh, Lindor back and then you've got Jeff McNeil can play anywhere you've got a, a strong uh, a strong kind of foundation but you know how much can you count on DeGrom it, it's tricky because he's so dominant but it's just one step you know two steps forward three steps back one step forward a half step back I get this constant this tug and tug and he's the best pitcher in the world perhaps but can they rely on him for October when is he expected to be back? I think like the, you know, the Noah Syndergaard, the Carrasco and the Grom. It's like, what is their health situation? And 
If you look at what the Phillies and the Braves did, the Phillies kind of got a couple little bullpen pieces, a couple, you know, they got added Gibson, which I think is huge because the Phillies lineup is set. They're veterans. They're ready. We talked about this already. The Phillies lineup is boom, like we're freaking good. Now they added a couple pitching, which I think amps them up. They're only a game and a half back of the Mets. So I think the health of that rotation and and how those players come back is going to be really important. But we're also... Got the Braves, who brought in a whole bunch of veteran outfielders. They made some moves. So everyone made moves. All three of those teams made moves. You're taking the Mets? I think I'm taking the Mets just for the simple reason that even with Ian Kennedy, and Ian Kennedy's done really good things since converting to like a late-inning reliever. You know, I don't care how old he is. I think he's been very good at what he does. But I don't think that he's like the shutdown reliever the Phillies needed. I think they needed like a dude and a dude behind that dude. I think they needed like, they've had such bullpen problems and it's not like it was just this year. They really just, they've had this problem for a while and it grinds on the fans. It grinds on the players who have been there. Like it, it it's hard for the Phillies to hold a lead in the late innings. And maybe Ian Kennedy is the answer. It seems like that would be really convenient if you were the answer, but I'm not so sure about that. And then the Braves, you know, without Acuna, I know they got Eddie Rosario. I know they got Adam Duvall, but you know, the Braves are also just sort of missing that something that I think the Mets, when they're humming along, I I think they're, they're going to be fine. It's going to be Braves and Mets. I do expect the Phillies just to kind of taper off a little bit and uh, please send me emails, Philly fans. I read all of them. I'm actually picking the Phillies because I disagree with the Ian Kennedy. I think he's a dude. He's a sneaky dude. And I faced him a lot, and he's very difficult to face. His fastball is elite. It's played up, and he keeps throwing it harder, and it just stays on the same plane. It's tough to hit. And he's got all of the off-speed stuff to boot. He's very smart. He's very calculated, and he's, he's a veteran. And he's probably got that hunger because this dude wants a championship. And he wants to get in there. And I just, I love Ian Kennedy. He's always been mentally strong. He's a 20-game winner. He's done all sorts of crazy stuff. Just when you think he's done, he comes back throwing harder, better than ever. I love Ian Kennedy. Gibson, I think, is going to be pivotal, like getting something out of him. I think Wheeler is like top five war leaders. And this dude is just... He might be Cy Young. He's in, incredible. He's definitely in the mix here. I think he's a legitimate number one on number one. Like Philly has one of those dudes with a lineup that is solid all the way around. So if the Phillies do get into the wild card, they probably need to win the division because I think the wild card is, is pretty far away. But obviously DeGrom. DeGrom versus Wheeler, you're going to have a good battle. DeGrom's definitely got the edge. But I think they got a chance. So I like the Phillies. The Mets is, you didn't tell me, when is DeGrom coming back? It's very up in the air. It's forearm tightness. They're not going to mess with it. It's nothing that's like a 60-day IL yet. Um, as far as I know, it, it, it's just, you know, it's it's wait and see. They don't want to push him. They don't want to stretch him. They want to be ultra, ultra cautious because he is the key to their October. I mean, once you have a healthy DeGrom, he's going to be doing stuff. So that is just kind of up in the air. If I were the, the Phillies, if I were a Phillies fan, what I think I would have wanted to see is quantity of quality where I would, you're going out, you're getting the guys kind of under the radar. You're getting the Daniel Hudson. You're, you're getting like a, a Tyler Anderson. You're getting, you're building up. So you're not the fourth and fifth spots in your rotation are not brutal. When you have to bring a reliever into the sixth inning, you're not going, oh gosh, you know, not this guy. Like it just a quantity of quality, just 
make that roster and just deepen it and just get a bunch of players. You know, it doesn't have to be the Kimbrel. And with that, you know, Gibson and Kennedy were a good start for that. And I'm not sure if they were in the position to just be all in. Like, I get that as well. But I would have liked to see, like, more. Just a bunch of support for that bullpen. Just shoring up that rotation after after Wheeler and Nola and, and all that. And just making them a, a much deeper team. This already makes me feel good. Just looking at Kyle Gibson's first start. 6.2 innings pitched. 5 hits, 2 earned runs, 2.7 ERA. 1 win and 0 losses. That's a good start. <laughs> Kennedy, not so much. 2 innings, giving up a couple runs. But I think Kennedy's going to settle in just fine. I like this. I like the Phillies. It's kind of that time. They have all of these veteran players, spectacular players, and you're just seeing a lot of fight from the Phils. The fighting Phils are fighting. It's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be fun to watch. I want to give a last shout out before we end this. I want to give a, a huge shout out to Joey Votto, player of the month, breaking records, hitting like seven home runs in a row, was it? I just want to show some love to Joey Votto, the Cincinnati Reds. I've been enjoying their season as well. I know they're a bit out because I think the Brewers, who we don't talk about at all, have the pitching, the starting pitching. Their ERA in July was just something goofy, like 2.7 or something like that. I mean, that's that's the whole entire staff. So I think they did okay with Eduardo Escobar. You know, they are a fascinating team. I don't think anyone's going to catch him. But Joey Votto, I mean, look, he's 37 years old. Can we give a round old. of applause? Yeah, this is this is this is Joey Votto, you're the man. (laughs) He's constantly reinventing himself. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's got just such a great eye, and he's got the swagger upon swaggers. He's one of the the greatest personalities in baseball, just one of the funniest dudes. And he's been doing it for the Reds for 15 years. And I love that he's reinventing himself. It's it's just I love a good reinvention story, and he's doing it. Yep, 100%. He's found that slot angle, that launch angle, and he says when he's done, he wants to be the guy who holds the stop sign so the kids can walk across the street or ride the yellow bus, drive the yellow bus. So, like, much love to Joey Votto. I had to, like, throw that out there just because so much respect, and it was awesome to see him become player of the month. Incredible talent, Hall of Fame career. I know he's not there yet, but he's going to be, and it's super cool to watch. I agree. I agree. All right. This has been episode 19 of the Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Frisbee presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. It's been fun. Uh, You know, next week we're going to come in and there's going to be no trades to talk about. So we're just going to have to look around and and talk about baseball. Well, there's going to be plenty to talk about. This is one of the best seasons I've ever seen. (laughs) It's so fun to be a fan. It's going too fast. Oh, seriously. It's already August. What the freak? All right. So we... We will be back next week. We'll talk about baseball because that's what we do. Thanks so much for listening. I love coffee! <laughs>